Hey, it's JT, and I'm excited to introduce you to my new book, Jugo, The Power of Jiu-Jitsu. The reason why I'm so hyped is this is the first ever BJJ superhero book. Now, the hero of the story, the underdog, is Jugo. He's a skinny little nerd, and he's the only ginger in his whole town. And every day he gets bullied. He gets punched in the face by the bully, Marcus Caesar Vieira. And every day is pretty much like this for Jugo, until one fateful day he discovers jujitsu. But that's not all. Along the way on his adventures, he happens to meet the youngest son of death, a young reaper named Marrow. He also makes friends with a three-eyed frog who is enlightened named Fibs. Hmm, mysterious. This is a fun and quirky book for 10 to 12 year olds and it's a perfect Christmas gift to get that kid over the line to do jiu-jitsu. Or let's say you know a young kid who doesn't really like to read. It's a cool story that allows them to get into the world of jugo and also enjoy their reading. But if you're a big kid like me and you just want a fun story, it's perfect for that too. Now I'll be putting the link in the show notes today, but go to jugoplay.com and you can get yourself a copy just in time for Christmas. Thanks guys, and on with the episode. Better listen very carefully. A good martial artist does not become tense, but ready. Essentially, at this point, the fight is over. So you pretty much flow with the goal. Who is worthy to be trusted with the secret to limitless power? I'm ready. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Bulletproof for BJJ podcast. And today we are discussing maximizing your gains training at home. I love your little palm palm notes. <laughs> My palm pilot? <laughs> yeah, it's like. Literally wrote it. <laughs> hey, man, it's okay. <laughs> like we converse on these things and we, we discuss and I want to just deliver correctly. Of course. It's important to have structure. Professionality. Fucking oh. <laughs> <laughs> So guys, for a lot of you out there, you have experienced the lack of gym. And there's plenty of people out there who message us at Bulletproof and say, does your program work at home? Yes, it totally does. We actually have a full arm of the program dedicated to the home gym workout people. So whether your jujitsu gym does not have any equipment or you can simply not access a gym wherever you are, you can still do an awesome workout at home, but there are a few things that you're going to need to make that happen. So what we're going to do in today's discussion is just outline both from Joe and I's experience, the way we do it and the way we would prefer you to do it to get the most out of it. Yeah. And I guess maybe to, to frame some of the challenges that you have when training at home, but then offer some solutions because I think for a lot of people who maybe don't have much of a knowledge of the whole training thing, yeah, it's, they can feel a bit lost and like, oh, I can't do anything here, but we're like, no, you can actually do a lot. Definitely. And I think the first cab off the rank is you need to make your workout space. Now, whether that's in your garage or if you're able to push the coffee table back and you're, you're happy to swing a kettlebell in the living room, it really depends on your own personal space. Some people have a study and they need to just lock the door to get the kids out the way or so they don't drop a kettlebell on a dog or whatever the case may be. But you have to actually dedicate a small piece of real estate in your home, whether you live in an apartment 
or whatever your living situation to do the work. If you don't do that, then yeah, you can feel very cluttered and feel like I can't focus on doing my exercise. I know you, Joe, you, you actually have some dedicated space. We did, yeah. Um, funny how that's evolved actually since okay. having, having a kid because we're lucky enough to have a garage and at the beginning of last lockdown, we got some equipment and sort of kitted it out. Yep. It's full of garage stuff, but there was enough room for us to put in a small squat rack and then, you know, barbells, some plates, some we did. We did a workout in there. We did, didn't we? Yeah. So that was really good for a while. It's interesting how this happens, but we had some water leaking uh, into the floor of the garage and then, you know, we had the baby and then it was like some more junk from the house made its way out. Garage got full and then all of a sudden the garage just became a really undesirable place to exercise. Yes. And before you know it, you're like, fuck, I haven't touched the stuff in there for ages. And obviously I'm always training. So I was just coming to the gym or going to the park, right? Out of the park, yeah. But it was like, oh man, this space that we set up specifically for this isn't getting used now. So what we did, I think this is really relevant. Misa, my partner, she's obviously right in the thick of looking after Leo right now, our little boy. Um, He's nine months old. But she has taken a couple of dumbbells and just brought them into the house and put them in our living room. Nice. And, you know, literally last night, it's like she, you know, she put Leo down and then she came down and we're about to, you know, watch some TV and have a hot drink. Oh, the hot drink. Listen to the hot drink episode. Get your recovery on. Right. (laughs) Um, And uh, she's like, hold up. I just got to get a set. And she picks up the dumbbells and she just does one set to max of overhead press. <laughs> nice. Because she's like, I want to keep my press strength. And, and it's all, she does the same with her chin-ups as well. But, sure. Um, so she did a set, you know, 10 or 15 reps and then put them down and all right, let's watch. Okay. And it, it, that, the lesson there is having the equipment easily accessible. Yes. It may not be what you want from a home decor perspective. Of course. But if you can have that shit, like uh, whatever it is in your living space, yep. where when you have that moment of inspiration to just go, I'll pick up the kettlebell and I'll swing it 30 times. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you're like, oh, get the kettlebell. Oh, I got to put my shoes on, go, go to down the garage. There and, you're like, yeah. ah, tomorrow. Yes. And tomorrow never comes. That's right. The, and the other thing that, that we did further to that was I brought the barbell out of the garage and I put it on to our, into our backyard. Nice. Just onto our deck and I left it loaded with a couple of 15s. Perfect, yeah. So I can go out and do some, you know, some single leg deads or yep. Misa can go out and do some, some split stance deads or regular deads. Yep. And it's there and it actually gets used. Yeah, it's, it's line of sight that the whole like out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. It's insight. It's, it's top of mind. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing it, right? And I would say similarly for me, as much as I, I love uh, some heavy barbell stuff, my life for a long time has been kettlebells. I have accrued so many ke- – I, I have spent so many thousands of dollars on kettlebells and then when I have to move house, I, I tend to give them away because <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I actually don't want to move all these. And at one stage way back in the day when I broke up with my partner, which I had spoken about previously, I had 30 kettlebells. Oh, my God. And she basically – she didn't kick me out, but like I had to move. And so, because of the kettlebells. No, no, no. As part of the move, I had to move the kettlebells. Right. So I've got 30 kettlebells ranging from 12 kilos up to 56 kilos. My poor little Hyundai XL <laughs> just weighed down with hun- like hundreds of kilos of kettlebells. I had them in the seats. I had them in the wells underneath, the back, in the boot. It was ridiculous. My car looked like a low ride. It was like, like couldn't go over speed arms quickly. And I had to actually give them away because I had to move and there was no room. Like my, my new place where I lived, th- there was definitely not going to be any tolerance for kettlebells in the living room. So I actually gave them away to the local PCYC and they were super stoked. 
Holy shit. Yeah. I have kettlebells in my living room. The rustier, older ones are in the car. <laughs> you know, I have a boot full of them too because we're out training in the park. And I have a gang of sandbags. And they actually sit next to my car parking spot slash in my car parking spot. I was working out in the basement the other day. So I kind of alternate with my workout space, either in the living room. I've got some meals as well, the Persian yoga. I've got some meals. They kind of – they're in my study area. Yeah. They're, so, the, they're the clubs, the big wooden clubs. Big wooden clubs. Shout out to our boy Cash. Cash Persian yoga. Cashy. Ledge. And – yeah, I, I mean, my partner, she works out, um, Ola, she works out in the living room like almost every single day. And she loves the kettlebells too, but I sometimes have to get hardcore. I've got to just rah, take out the aggression and do a max lift and it means I've got to lift some heavy sandbags and just scream, yell, sing to Justin Bieber in the basement. So that's what the, the basement sandbags the are The basement for. sandbags are all about. And I guess that's one for, for the majority of people who are training at home, generally – you're not going to have access to that kind of weight. Are no. you? You're not going to have a barbell with, with you know, hundreds of kilos. Um, you're not going to have heavy sandbags. So that lack of intensity is something we kind of have to accept when we're training yeah. at home. Intensity meaning load, which is fine, right? Like I think, yeah. you know, something we can maybe talk more about it after, but there's a lot of stuff that you can do that kind of replicates this, that, that can make up for this lack of intensity. Yes. And look, this is the thing about making space you actually have to factor it into your life. I think a lot of people consider working out, oh, I do that at the gym. Oh, stretching, I do that somewhere else. I do that at yoga. I do it. They separate it from their lives when actually it's got to be part of your life and it needs to be easy to do. Removing those barriers to entry is, I feel, the first step in getting someone to form that habit of um, doing their mobility every day or doing their lifting regularly. That's yeah. from my own experience. Yeah, I, I agree. I think like as someone who, you know, I've got a gym here, I've always preferred to train at the gym. Yes. And in recent years, I've found it harder to exercise away from the gym because the gym is a place where I do that. Mm. But I found that through the, this, this COVID piece, I've been forced to kind of reevaluate that thinking. And if you can frame it in your mind like, no, this is the work I have to get done. Mm. And the work is like, the work is either what's in your mind or it's what's on the program. Yeah. And this is why we, this, we sling this program of ours. Of because course. Because for the majority of people, going off what's in your mind is, is not going to be enough to keep you accountable yeah. to staying consistent and following that thing. Yeah. So having a program that you can go, all right, got to do these two workouts every week and then, you know, it just, it's like i got to tick those boxes. And so carving that space out of home, you've got that real estate and then you've got this plan that's like do this fucking work. It's like, okay, i got to get this done. Yeah, and not having to think about it. I actually had a, a guy contact us, long-time follower of the program, and he said, I loved not having to think about it. I just had it in front of me and I did it and it felt good. Yeah. And it felt good to be doing it. And, and it took the pressure off trying to invent something or trying to remember what did I do last time and everything like that. And I, I have been – pushing him recently to write it down and he's felt that's made a difference as well but we won't go too deep into that the thing with making the space for you whether you have a garage or it's too cluttered it's filled with cars and stuff or if you live in an apartment you're doing the apartment life you don't have a lot of room what we're talking about guys is you don't need to have a barbell i mean joe has a barbell no it's a luxury you don't need one at all and really what it comes down to is one or two pieces of fairly high leverage equipment and what we're talking about here is maybe a pair of dumbbells, maybe one or two kettlebells. There's a lot you can do with that. 
and putting that together with body weight and and a few resistance bands. Man, my training for the last four months yes. has been centered around a pair of rings, yep, a pull-up bar, a couple of exercise bands, and around four kettlebells. Amazing. That's been it. Yeah. I run my bulletproof small group with a few key individuals. We train twice a week. Yep. And I run them through the Bulletproof program and I train with one of those guys, the Dark Prince. Yep. We know Shout, love. Out. Shout out to Simonovsky. The guy. Um, we train together. And so I do the program as well. And I don't want to be carting around all this equipment to the of course park. not. So it's like I got six kettlebells in my car, but on any given day, I will take only two to four of them. Yes. I'll take four if someone's helping me carry them. I take two <laughs> if it's just me. And we make it work. Efficient. Right. And, uh, and then I got a bag with my rings and my exercise bands and there's a pull-up bar at the park. Yep. And it covers everything. Yeah. And I think about it, I'm like, oh, I don't fuck with the barbell unless, you know, I get up early on a Saturday, which I typically don't train much on weekends, but I go, oh, I'll go do some, sure. whatever, some presses or something with that barbell yeah. that's outside. Yeah, nice. I firmly, like as much as I don't mind some heavy stuff, I'm not as, I don't need it as much as JT does. Fuck, man, I'm ticking all the boxes with that very small kit. Definitely. And I think this is the thing. It's so interesting. I have people message me regularly saying, look, I can only train from home. Can your program work for me? And the answer is most definitely. I mean, we had that in our mind because there's plenty of people out there in the jiu-jitsu community. Their academy where they train jiu-jitsu has no equipment. And also they don't have access to any kind of a gym where they're coming from. So – when or you, they don't want to pay for a gym membership. Yeah, because right? they're already like, paying. Enough, you pay yeah. for jits, yeah. Yeah, and that makes sense. And we are not about promoting all kinds of fancy equipment. We want you to keep it simple and we want your training to be effective. And this is where I think we can talk a little bit more about if somebody is at home, perhaps they don't have a pull-up bar or perhaps they don't have some rings, maybe we can now speak to what are some other things that we can substitute in there, which are going to help people still get in good pulling strength. This was something I was mentioning the other day to a friend of mine who was like, look, man, I can't even do pull-ups anyway. Even if I had a pull-up bar, I, could, I can't do them. He's got no pulling strength whatsoever. And I was saying- like no, Nowhere to practice his pulling strength? Yeah, currently no means. Right. And he's like, what can I do? I do have a pair of dumbbells and I have a kettlebell. And I'm like, man, that's a great start. Because we have many row variations that you can do regardless of your level, whether you're a complete beginner or you're a little bit more advanced and you're trying to go a bit harder. So the two examples I will give of that is just like a simple bent over row variation with a kettlebell, which mm-hmm. can also be done with a dumbbell. Yep. And just a single because sometimes double can be a bit much if people are not experienced. Just single and you actually have to work really hard in your core when you're leaning forward, you're basically keeping yourself on a 45 to 90 degree angle, depending on how your hamstrings and lower back are. You're bracing and you're pulling rib to hip and keeping that motion. There's a lot going on there. If you've never really done any weight training before, it can be quite demanding. And I find that that's a really good swap out, swap in. So if you are looking at the home gym program and you're like, oh, I haven't got any rings, what's something I can substitute? There are videos of that row variation in the program and you can find it very easily. Yeah, yeah, like that's the row variations. I mean, they're a staple of our program, even on the gym one, right? Yeah. For us, it's a classic move and it produces great results. Totally, you only need a small amount of weight to make those work. Yeah, and then a more advanced variation is uh, a a modified renegade row. So if someone is pretty strong, 
the way I like to challenge people is to make them use their core more and getting them a little bit more horizontal, bracing on the kettlebell or if you've got a pair of dumbbells, bracing through one arm and rowing on the other side and keeping your core very strict, keeping tight midline, no rotation. A lot of people get up from that movement and go, oh my God, I really feel my core. It's like, yeah, if you do it correctly, it is a total body strength move, but it is more advanced and a lot of people do it wrong. Yeah. I think there's a concept at play there, which is really important to point out for folks, which is when you don't have access to a lot of weight, so you're not able to wind up the intensity of an exercise, you can wind up the complexity or the difficulty of an exercise. And so what JT is talking about is like, well, you could start with a basic bent over row where you're in a pretty comfortable kind of hips back, knees bent, leaning forward kind of position doing some rows. But then to make it more advanced, like he said, you would get yourself into more of a like a straight body where your core has to work harder and then you could over time make it more horizontal, right, which is what he just described. What we're doing there is layering on more challenge in the position, which means that with the same kettlebell, which might be 12 kilos, sure, you go from an, a pretty simple movement that you get good at pretty quickly to a movement that's really fucking hard that's going to challenge the shit out of you on multiple different fronts. Yeah, And that's the beauty of knowing or having a simple process that you can follow, isn't it, where it's like, oh, wow, okay, I thought I'd kind of extracted all everything I could from that exercise, but now there's this next level. Yes. Okay, this is a new challenge. Definitely. We really want to remove those barriers to entry in terms of like, like oh, I don't have a pull-up bar. What am I going to do? There are options for you. There are alternatives. And this is something that we can actually start to put out there a bit more is swap in, swap outs. Some people are looking for that. A friend of mine who actually brought in a question, Greg, shout out Greg, who had asked about shoulder rehab stuff and he was asking me about lower back stuff. How, what's a simple thing he could do? And I started talking about the cradle good morning because he doesn't have a barbell. He's only got one kettlebell and doing a normal deadlift with the kettlebell just doesn't, doesn't really help him. And he, As in it's not, it's not heavy it's enough? It's not challenging him. Yeah. And he's not quite ready for like a, a single leg deadlift. You know, he's not there yet. And I said, hey, man, try the cradle good morning. It's not in the home gym program. You've got to go find it in the kettlebell program, but it's there. That's your swap in. That's your swap out. Yeah. He was stoked. He was like, yeah, perfect. And so now he's using that as his next stage before he can get a heavier kettlebell, et cetera, et cetera. The other thing I hear from our people in the Bulletproof community is how do I challenge my legs? Because I haven't got heavy enough weights to do big, heavy squats And the thing I always come back to is just talking about different variations on pistol. And I know recently, Joe, you have been discussing this. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's a good chance to exemplify that point about the the complexity piece, right? Yeah. If you don't have access to the big weights, it's hard to get the intensity up. And particularly for people out there who are used to doing heavy squats and deadlifts. Yeah. If that's taken away from you, let's say like, you, you know, you're locked down, you can't go to your gym and it's like, oh man, I can't lift a heavy barbell, I can't train my legs. Yeah, not true. That's right. If you're looking at it from that one very specific uh, perspective, you can't do that kind of leg training, but you can do heaps of other stuff. And so what we like, and this speaks to the idea of making something potent without having it require huge amounts of equipment, single leg squat variations. So all of the different progressions we use for pistols, shrimp squats, which we use a lot of, Cossack squats, yep. even Bulgarian split squats, right? Yeah. In the home program, we've got the, the Borsov hop, yep. which is another great super like, dynamic. bodyweight exercise, super dynamic, really fucking hard for anybody. 
Yeah. And all you need is like a couch that you can put your back foot up on. That's right. Right? Same thing with the deadlifting or with the hinging stuff. Instead of heavy deadlifts, we're more interested in split stance deadlifts, single leg deadlifts, yep. even the lateral hop and the forward and reverse hop. Yeah. These exercises bring in new physical attributes, balance, coordination, timing, accuracy, and a lot of those things. And I think this is really important to point out for people Balance, timing, accuracy, coordination, like obviously for anyone listening, you can see how important that stuff is for jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu uses all of those physical attributes. Of course. If you're just lifting a heavy barbell, you're not really working all of those attributes. too static. That's right. You're working force, like strength. You're working stability, right? But it's limited. It's linear. It's linear. It's 2D. Yeah. Like let's be completely honest, guys. You know how crazy a role can be. Sometimes you end up in a position, you're like, how the fuck did I get here? <laughs> you're just like up, upside down. Someone's trying to do something to you. And the truth is, guys, don't be afraid to get weird. It's your own home. <laughs> you know, like it might sound strange. You're like, sometimes you look out of your apartment window and you look up and you see somebody and you're like, are they uh, having sex or are they, <laughs> <laughs> are they working out? <laughs> you're like, what's going on up there? I'm just going to keep my arm just in case they <laughs> just, are having sex. <laughs> just, <You know? laughs> just creeping. <laughs> just yeah. creeping. But uh, no, it's like- Try and get some audio on this. <laughs> <laughs> get out on the balcony. But that's the thing, guys. Like plenty of people are doing Zumba workouts at home, right? You shouldn't limit yourself because of all these weird societal norms about, oh, don't want to look silly. You're in your own living room. Who gives a care? You know, like obviously if you have housemates or, you know, whatever, if you've got kids, you know, get them involved provided, you know, you're not going to fall and crush them and break their legs. But um, my mate put out a good tip for training around kids the other day I, and I got something to add to it. His point was if you're training and you've got your kids hanging out, always have a cardboard box present because the cardboard box will entertain the kid for periods of like 30 to 90 <laughs> seconds. Awesome. And that's enough time for you to do a set. Get a set. So it's like <laughs> nice. they're playing in the box. You do your set and then you play with them a little bit, back to the box. Like oh, I thought you just meant you just put, put, put them, them in, in the box. box. <laughs> ah, it could be the game. You know? <laughs> it could be. The other part of that, and this for me, and, and this has always worked really well, if I'm trying to train at home, got the kids are there. It's, you know that once the day starts, things are going to be full on. Train in the morning. Yeah. Get it out of the way while everyone else is still in bed. Get up 30 minutes earlier. Go downstairs, whatever. whatever Make the fuck it happen. Live do the workout and then you're good. Whereas if you save that thing till later in the day, that yeah. time usually doesn't eventuate. It blows out. And I, yeah. I've, I've seen that a lot with a lot of my old kind of corporate clients just because anything could happen in their day, disasters, family stuff, whatever. The only time you really can count on is before they wake up. Yeah. You know, before they're out of bed. That's really the only thing you have under your control. And then you've ticked that box. It's done. Even if it doesn't feel ideal to you, and we've kind of talked about training times before, even if you prefer to train later in the day, just get it done. That is a huge part of chipping away and making progress. Yeah, being able to, to separate yourself from like what is ideal for your workout yeah. and being like, okay, like this isn't exactly how I'd love to do it, mm. but I'll take it. Yeah. you know, And I think that being flexible about that is really important because if you are so fixated on doing it a specific way, i.e., I got to do my five by five deadlifts. I got to do my five by five squats at 4 p.m. And if I don't have a coffee beforehand, you know, like yeah. if those stars do not align and it means you don't get your workout done, that's a shit mentality to have. So yeah. if you can be flexible about and go, fuck it, I'm just going to get the majority of it done today. I'm doing it early. Yeah. That is over a longer time frame success with your training. Yeah. D- done is better than perfect. 
Love because it. perfect is it never happens. Yeah, it just never happens. Sorry, we touched on to the pulling thing before. Yeah, should I give it just a bit of clarity around that for folks? One of the hard things with training at home mm. is being able to work on your pulling strength. Yeah. And this is like this is why we don't like yoga, right? Like <laughs> it's, you're just pushing the whole time. It is. It's it's a lot of prone work, and I actually have a very specific case. Good friend of mine and ex client Sue Fricky lives in Melbourne, loves yoga, but has chronic shoulder problems from different issues. And even though she would always love to go to yoga, spending so much time in a prone position, chaturanga, dandasana, whatever, and just doing all that, it would actually mess her up. Yeah, she'd get super some imbalance. super tight because it, it, it just wasn't a balanced program. And she was doing lots of different classes. Yeah, people should stay away from dangerous fucking contact sports like yoga. <laughs> I tell you. All right? Yeah. Anyway, tell your mum to come and train jiu-jitsu because it's good for your health. <laughs> 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 but no, totally. It, from our perspective where we're looking at the body and like, okay, how do we develop this thing? There's this huge gap when for a lot of folks who are doing – yoga or if you're just training at home you don't have a pull-up bar or you're not doing some row work where you're not getting any pulling work done so it's mostly pushing style obviously it's a luxury but if you can have a pull-up bar of some kind at home even if it's the doorway one which are like very inexpensive yeah you know that like you can hang off it right which decompresses the spine opens the shoulders opens the upper body up uh you can do some chin-ups on it like it really does open a lot of options up for you even better, you've got a more permanent one that you can fix to a brick wall or something out the back. Yep. Man, that like just that one piece of equipment will change the game for you. Definitely. And also, guys, there are a fair few variations that you can do just with a resistance band. And it doesn't have to be complicated. Definitely what we can do is post these on the uh, Instagram. We can follow up with a bit of a content piece on this. I think for most people it's lack of knowledge around alternatives. It's like people have awareness of, oh, I squat or I deadlift or I do push-ups or whatever. But it's when you get into these kind of smaller, less common movements that people just have no idea how to do it and sometimes it can seem inaccessible. The thing that I always do as a test, guys, if I'm testing someone's leg strength, I will literally just get them to sit down on a bench or a chair. I say, bring your feet together, bring your heels in, lift one foot up. So your leg is off the ground, you've got one leg on the ground, stand up out of that chair. Now sit back down. This is the simplest way as like entry level to a pistol squat. And a lot of people struggle. You get people, some people are really good, you you know, like bipedal, like two feet on the ground, strong as. One foot off balance, struggle street. Yes. And, And this is something that we have to address because you know what's coming. It's the tsunami of people running to open mat. As soon as jiu-jitsu is back, people are just running like zombies, just quick as they can to the open mat and people aren't going to be physically ready. No, there's going to be another spate of injuries. Huge spate of injuries, which is kind of tragic but foreseeable. Yeah. And what we're really trying to do here, guys, is before you jump back on head first into hardcore as much jits as you can handle till you kind of wreck yourself. Let's do a bit of physical conditioning. Let's bring that back in. Can I share a message that I got from a bloke yesterday who just signed up to the program? Ah, please do. I thought, I thought this is fitting. Appro- appropriate. Yeah. This is from an Aussie guy. His name's Ash. He's very in touch with us through the Instagram, has been for a while. 
Beautiful. He said, JT's beard is very handsome. Hey, weapons. I'm looking at pulling the trigger on the bulletproof of BJJ program. Any tips before I start? And I was like, and I asked him, you know, what he's got available equipment wise and whatnot. And he said, um, told me all that. And then he said, I've been doing BJJ five to seven times a week for the last month. Ooh. And I'm starting to fall apart. Yeah. When I was doing jits four to five times a week, I was still going to the gym two to three times a week as well. Mm. But I just got through this month and I was frothing so hard in BJJ that I slacked off in the gym and now my body's paying the price. Yes. So. And he's like, what's, you know, what do you recommend? And that's what it is, right? He's like, when I was maintaining a balance between my jiu-jitsu and my strength training, my body was feeling good. Mm. Now I've just doubled down on the jiu-jitsu and I've sacrificed the strength training and I'm falling apart. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's got, he's got a kid or a couple kids. You know, he's got plenty of other competing commitments in life. Yeah. So, you know, it's great. He's come back around to this idea of I've got to train. But this is the thing. It's like you are going to be putting yourself, your body on the line at jiu-jitsu. And if you're, you know, in parts of Australia that are in lockdown right now, as soon as they lift that lockdown, you're going to be back to jiu-jitsu. Oh, yeah. Get that fucking strength training under your belt. Yeah. Get the habit and the consistency down a couple times a week. Just make it happen yeah. because that is your insurance policy. Oh, most definitely. And more doesn't equal better. I actually I wrote a, uh, a blog on this the other week and it, it's the idea of quality, guys. And we, we're all aware of it, right? Like quality over quantity. But when we get excited or we get really happy – we're just like, no, I just want more of that dopamine, just more of that good feeling. But that good feeling comes around not being injured, being able to use your body the way you like and uh, doing what you're doing at any level, whether you're a white belt or a black belt, well. If you show up like tired, kind of banged up, you know, you, you haven't got any extra energy, you're just like, oh, I just want to just get my fix, get my hit. It's so unsustainable. And this is just the biggest mistake. And our friend is a case in point, right? It's absolutely case in point of what can happen when we get too overzealous on the jiu-jitsu and just neglect our responsibilities to look after our body. I mean, you've got to give him some props too. I think he's a white belt. Oh, wow. And that is not generally a white belt. You don't have that awareness, do Presence you? Presence of mind. No. I mean, we know black belts who are the worst at this. Yeah. Like they are so beaten up. Yeah. They're in pain 24-7. And still chasing the dragon. Except for when they're rolling. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, they're like they're like dragging themselves onto the mats Sad. like a cripple. And then, you know, getting after it. And then you know, and it's this cycle where you're like, what's the end point But here? when the adrenaline hits, Joe, oh, it all bro, goes away. Sweet, sweet yeah, adrenaline. Yeah, you just become so elastic. <laughs> you get to take out all your years of pain and resentment on lower belts, just grinding them. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, right? It's like, why, why are we doing this thing? And, yeah. you know, there's, I mean, everyone's, you know, whatever, doing it for different things, but we can all probably agree that we're trying to have fun and feel healthy and feel strong and be savage and not feel like we're 50 years older than we actually are. Yeah, agreed. So, yeah, fuck, get on it. Key takeaways, guys, I think when we look back at how you can maximize your home training and, and not just your training in general, but your training at home, how can you make the most of that? I think number one is you have to, Dedicate space to it. Yeah. The same way you might have a little space of your office or the desk you work on to do whatever you do for your studying at home or working from home, you need space to work out at home, wherever that might be. Allocate the space, dedicate it, and then make it easy because I think that's really what we need is have it right in front of you. Second takeaway, get yourself a couple of bits of equipment. Yep. We understand it's not within the means of everybody, but look at it like this. If training is part of your life, to invest – two, 300 bucks in a few bits of equipment that are going to last you 
probably forever. Yeah. Like a kettlebell never dies. No. Okay, a couple of resistance bands, they're going to last you five years at least. Yeah. Get a cheap little pull-up bar off Amazon or something. Sure. Like yeah. that shit, it, it's worth it. Yeah, definitely. Make that investment, have your bit of real estate, have the equipment there. Yeah, and, and I think the next thing on that to make the most of it, guys, is dedicate two days a week. Yeah. Just, just make that time. Don't waver on it. Make it a rule. Don't make it an option. Put it in your calendar. Yeah. I do it on this day and I do it on this day and this is the time I do it. Yeah, don't, don't enter the week without that scheduled Yeah, because it won't eventuate. You have to sit down whenever you, whenever you plan a week and go, okay, Tuesday morning, Thursday morning, they're the days that I train and yeah. you get it done, you carve out the time. And then obviously, you know, I mean, we plug the shit out of our program, but have something to follow. Going in blind doesn't really work for anyone. Like we said before, having a blueprint that you can follow that you know is going to work, it's going to get you from point A to point B consistently over time, make you stronger. It helps you stay accountable. It helps you know that you're doing the right thing and it maximizes the return on your time spent training. Agreed. Now, I think that we will just, we might just switch gears for a second, Joe, because we do have a question. Now, the person is anonymous, but thank you for your question if you hear this. I got a question for you. I was on cycle two, week four of the foundation strength chin program, and I got a flu. So I stopped working for about three weeks, and now I'm back into the program. Should I start again on that cycle, or should I continue on week four where I left off? Thank you. Appreciate all your content. Nice. What a legend. Yeah. And I think this is a pertinent question. It comes up a little bit. People get a bit of momentum, get, get a cycle under their belt. Something comes up. Uh, they might have started cycle two or they might have tried something else and then they're, they're not sure where to start from again. Yep. My general recommendation is if you haven't been training for two to four weeks, there will be a bit of detraining. There will be a little bit of drop off. Not completely undone, but w- what I find is good from a, a skills practice perspective is go back, like depending, if you're only one or two weeks into a cycle, wherever you are in the program, go back to the start. If you're, look, if you're like all the way through to like week 10 or whatever it might be. Well, I mean, these, the foundation cycles are only six weeks a piece, right? That's right. Yeah. So it's like, he's kind of halfway. Yeah. Go back to the start. Yeah, go back to the start. Like of the start of that cycle. Of that cycle, just because of skill practice. Yeah. This is another thing for you guys to remember, and that's that's the way I look at it. If I'm doing a movement I kind of suck at, and, I, and I'm just kind of battling with my ego, like, oh, I suck at this, I don't enjoy this. The direct feedback, the fact that I have hesitancy in my mind means I need to work on it. So I just go, I'm practicing a skill. In the same way you might drill a, an escape or a technique you suck at in jiu-jitsu, you'll get better at it. Mm. Just going through those movements again and maybe you're just as good that time around and you feel pretty good is safer than just trying to jump in at the same weight, at the same reps where you were, where you left off three or four weeks ago. That would be my advice. Yep, second that. Cool. There's a a feeling there where it's like, oh, but I want to keep progressing along. Of course. And it's like, well, look, why are we doing this thing? We're trying to get stronger and more mobile. The most effective way to do that is to fulfill the six weeks consecutively. Yes. So let's just do that. And, and you know, you are going to get more stronger following that, you know, if, if it means that you've done that, those workouts for nine weeks in total, you're going to be getting stronger. Yeah. You had a break in between. You're going to be getting stronger. That's the main thing. So go back to the beginning. Yeah, you bet. Pretty well, good there. Yeah, I think we are. Guys, thanks for listening. 
We've got the voicemail, bulletproof of BJJ.com. Go to the podcast page, leave us a voicemail if you've got a question about anything. Jits training, yeah. program, whatever the fuck. Don't be shy. Don't, we'll feature you on the show. We would love you to let us know who you are because we interact with people through kind of Instagram handles. We've got so like, many. Who is this person? Yeah. You know, who is La Snacks? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we don't, we don't necessarily know straight up who you are and we would like to. Yeah. So please let us know where you're coming from, where you are in the world, what your name is, and we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, because one day when we do our world tour, we're going to need a couch to sleep on, so why not yours? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Thanks, bro. Appreciate you, man. Cheers, fam. Cheers.